I believe the one that lost the wallet, I think it's supposed to be for offering. <laughs> I think, or no? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Aster, for announcing that. And also, uh, Esther, thank you so much for uh, reminding us about the uh, night of breakthrough on Thursday. And I do really uh, want to encourage everybody to come, whether you are uh, participating in the next gen or not, please do come. Because I always believe that uh, preparation of things that we are doing is a part of our worship. Amen. So I know there's been a lot of intentionality that the committee, the volunteers has been putting in this uh, conf uh, conference. So I do really want to appreciate and please support them by coming to the uh, night of breakthrough because I think that's, that's the only thing that we need right now, right? Praying, praying because God will do uh, greater things that we have ever imagined before. Amen. I mean, just be excited, okay, and then expect something great uh, in the next week for the next year. All right, so today, actually, last month when Pastor Iwan sent out the schedule for the preaching, uh, I was supposed to be assigned uh, in the last month, I mean, last Sunday of the month of April, and it was supposed to be for the next gen speakers, right? And then when I look at the schedule, oh, so now I think Pastor Ivan considering me as part of the next gen speakers, right? <laughs> I'm still young, right? But then Brother Qingming, <laughs> Brother Qingming called me, I mean, like, uh, asked me, hey, can you swap? <laughs> right? so, so Brother Qingming is much younger than I, so, <laughs> so he, I think he's, he's more entitled to the next gen. Okay, so today, right, I want to. I want to uh, uh, pick up something that from last week that Pastor Irwan has preached, and in the last five minutes, if you remember, Pastor Irwan extend the invitation to all of you. Okay, what invitation? Invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord in your life. You guys remember? Yeah. And I want to reiterate that invitation. That the invitation is still available until today yeah. and forever. Okay, so if you have not responded to that call, you are free to respond it today or tomorrow or next week, okay? Because this is the desire that our God that we worship. God desires that all men to be safe. That's what First Timothy chapter 2 said, right? So God's desire is to have all men to be saved, but not all men are saved. So that's the dilemma. That's why the invitation coming from God, and I do believe that's not only for me or for you, but for everybody. And the call that God has started, we need to just respond it. Okay? And let's let's pray and bow our head before we read the scripture. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for today as we gather together to have a fellowship with brother and sister in Christ. I pray, Lord Jesus, that Holy Spirit ministers to every single of us in this place, Lord. You fill us, Father, with your presence. You saturate us, Father, with your words, your living water, and you help us, Father, to understand, to humble our heart to humble ourselves. Guard our heart, guard our mind, and we just want to pray and lift up everything unto your hand, Lord Jesus. We glorify your name in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So I want to start with a, 
Matthew chapter 28, and I believe everybody knows about these verses, the Great Commission, what the Great Commission says. Anybody wants to help me here? Start with Matthew 28, 19, 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and then what? Baptizing them in the name of the fathers and of the Son and and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So, when we are talking about Great Commission, there are two parts. Jesus didn't stop at the first part. It's not just only receiving last week. It's not just only receiving Jesus as your Lord and you are safe and done. No, Jesus, go on. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So this is the true salvation. This is what I mentioned. This is the true salvation. Salvation is not just only receiving Jesus as our Lord. But true salvation, more than that, is to obey or to follow him. So biblically speaking, a true Christian will have to be a disciple of Christ as well. So you cannot be just a Christian without being Jesus' disciple. Or vice versa, you cannot just be a Jesus' disciple, quote-unquote, but you are not truly safe or born again. And the disciple came from the word matetas in, in the Greek, okay, in the, in the New Testament, which basically means student or learner. Okay? And disciple also means a follower, Someone who study or, or, or being a student of somebody that you follow, someone who learn from somebody that you follow, and someone who commitly, committed fully to follow and to apply the teaching that we learn from Jesus. That's a true Christian. So last week we declare Jesus died on the cross. 2,000 years ago, and he has risen, okay? And that's the gift of salvation. It's a free to us, but it's not completely free, actually. There's a cost. There's a huge cost, a big cost that he paid for us. It's free to us. That's why we call it gift, right? It's a free to us. But it's not free because somebody die on the cross for us. That's a cost. Now, the question then, what next? After we receive that gift of salvation, what next? Going back to the Great Commission, hey, there's a call for us to be his disciple, to follow him as his followers. And the word discipleship itself is not in the Bible, Right? The Bible only says disciple, not discipleship. Now, what does it mean with discipleship? Okay. Even though it's not in the Bible, but the Bible implies the concept of discipleship. Con- the concept of discipleship, basically, you are passing the legacy of your faith to one generation to another generation. Just like next week, what we are going to do the next gen, because Pastor Irwan, as the, uh, our 
of people of USA has a vision to pass the legacy to the next generation. And what legacy? Well, the most important part is the legacy of faith, right? And I think I've, I've shared a little bit before that when I was in uh, Midwest, in, in Chicago, Wisconsin, this church, this sanctuary, has been a blessing for me. I, I know Pastor Irwan and I, it's only one year uh, <laughs> difference uh, in terms of age, but he's, it's, it's uh, the first generation of, of pastor that has been a blessing to me indirectly. We never met before. I didn't know him before, but then what he has done in this church has been a blessing for us in Midwest, not only in Madison, Wisconsin, not only in Chicago, Illinois, it's also in Ames, Iowa, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Purdue, or I mean, sorry, West Lafayette in Indiana. That has been a blessing, and that discipleship, okay, that church, this church has been doing it for so long, has been a blessing for us there. And I'm so honored to be in this platform because back in 2005, I don't know, I know some, some of you probably has not been born yet, but 2005, I've been here attending what is called a pastoral in training. I wasn't pastor at the time. And here, 18 years later, I'm serving in this house. Amen. If that's, not, that's not God. I don't know who, right? And I'm so humble because I'm continuously blessed. Last, I mean, last week I was so blessed to see everybody come and celebrate uh, Easter together with, 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 with us here in this, in this church, right? And I'm so encouraged, and I just want to encourage everybody also to let's continue to follow Jesus, okay? Don't stop just being safe, but continue to follow Jesus because that's what uh, he called us to do. So let's open Luke chapter 14 with me. If you have a Bible, open Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. So Luke chapter 14, verse 25, 33. Before I read little background about Luke 14, if you read Luke 14 from verse 1 to 24, Jesus did a couple things or three things, right? So he healed someone on Sabbath, which is against the the uh, uh, Jewish law, okay? Jesus was teaching about parables, and the parables is about the guest and the dinner, which is the parable that explains about the salvation, the kingdom of heaven, okay? Jesus mentioned that, oh, there's a king who invite everybody to come to their dinner, but then everybody just, oh, you know what? I don't want to go because I have to do some work. There's a lot of excuses, and then the king said, you know what? Invite all the sick, all the lame, all the poor, all the blind, just invite them so that my house will be filled. So that verses, basically, Jesus wants to refer to the Pharisees and to the Jewish. Hey, the invitation is already for you, but you 
you never come, you don't want to come. So God will extend the invitation to non-Jewish people, just like us, so that we can be in his house. So Luke 14, verse 1 to 24, that's what Jesus said. He made a miracle. He teaches a great, great things. People were following him, and great, great crowds were following him. But Jesus knew their heart because when they are following Jesus, they are not following him as he is, but he's following, they are following his gift, his miracles, his signs. So he's following Jesus because they are following Jesus because they are wanting the benefits of Jesus. They are not following Jesus as he is, that he is Lord, that he is God. They want to see miracle, they want to see miracle, they want to see uh, healing, they want to see sign, and they want to get free food, right? Because Jesus fed 5,000 and 4,000 people. So those crowds are following Jesus because of those things. And it's very interesting because Jesus said on verse 25, all the way to 33. Let me read it for you. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And the word hate here is not hate, hate like hate, but the original word says it's a to love less. Okay, so Jesus required us, right? When Jesus said that, if anyone comes to me and does not love father and mother less, or to love wife and children less, brother and sisters less, yes, even their own life, to love their own life less, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000, if he is not able, he will send a, delegi- a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. So this is, this is hard. While salvation, the gift of salvation is free to us, but when Jesus is talking about discipleship, there's a cost to pay. There's a price to pay from our side. And when Jesus said that any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Renounce doesn't mean what? Declaring abandonment, right? Not only just physical possession, but also emotionally. Okay. Sometimes 
We don't want to let go the things in, in our heart when we follow Jesus. Now, this is very, very interesting uh, uh, when I see the Luke chapter 14, right? Jesus did some miracles. Jesus did a lot of things. People love it. People follow Jesus. And then Jesus turned and then say about the hard things about the cost of discipleship. And I want to ask you to jump on the book of Matthew, another gospel. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 24. And again, before Matthew chapter 16 and 24, in Matthew chapter 14 to 15, Jesus did similar things. He gave 5,000 people food, I mean free food, right, meals. He taught some parables again. He healed woman's daughter who was a demon possessed, okay? He healed the crowd, right? And then he fed another 4,000 people. So people, people were so amazed with the miracle sign, healing, free food, all those blessings, and then they start following Jesus. But then Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus told his disciple, and this is very more exclusive setting with disciple. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So let's stay in that first and let's unpack that first 24. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What does it mean if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Deny yourself. So to deny ourselves doesn't mean that we deny things, right? Oh, deny the blessing, deny the things. No, no, no. Deny ourselves means that we give ourselves wholly to Christ. Okay? That you do not belong to yourself, but at your salvation, you belong to Christ. Meaning that Christ is your Lord in your life. You don't have even a piece of control in your life. That's denying yourself. Is it possible? Well, I guess it's possible, right? Because Jesus commands us to do. It is hard, of course. That's why, with the grace of God, we are in the process of that denying ourselves. Okay? And denying ourselves doesn't mean that we live in denial. That's a different. Self-denial means that our life is no longer I, it's no longer me, but Christ. Okay? So, that's what we say, deny ourselves. Now, Jesus doesn't stop right there. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciple, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Not only just deny ourselves, but we are called to take up our cross. 
Now, when we are talking about cross today, what does the things that come up in your mind when I say cross? Is that? Jewelry. <laughs> yes. What else? When we are talking about the cross of Jesus Christ, who agree that when I say the cross of Jesus Christ, the first thing that come up in your mind is the love of God? <laughs> no, nobody agree? No? How about, how about if I say the cross of Jesus Christ, who agrees that it refers to a forgiveness of our sin? This is IVF Seattle, right? <laughs> Why, guys? I mean, I mean, do you guys agree when I say cross, meaning that it's the love of God? Yes, forgiveness of our sin, right? That's true. Today's the cross meaning sacrificial love of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sin. But before, when Jesus said about this cross, the cross is not about forgiveness. The cross is not about love. The cross is about death. The cross is about a capital punishment, the horrendous death, the most humiliating death. So even the Roman government reserved the cross is for their enemies. During that time, Roman citizens cannot be punished by crucified on the cross. Because that's a very humiliating. If you are a criminal and you are crucified on the cross, man, not only you are going to die, for sure you're going to die, but there's a humiliation, there's a suffering, there's a rejection, and so on and so on. So when Jesus said that, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, Jesus challenge us or challenge his disciple. Are you willing to sacrifice your life when you follow me? Now, modern Christian, Christian thought the cross is something that is your burden, your problem. Like, a, you know what? I have an annoying roommate in my apartment. That annoying roommate is my cross. So I have to carry that, okay? So your parents, if you, if you don't have a good relationship with your parents, your parents is not your cross, guys, okay? Your in-law, <laughs> last week, <laughs> your in-law is not your cross, okay? Again, cross talking about death, about suffering. So your illness, your struggle, your burden, your problem, they are not your cross. Okay, so you have to understand in this context, Jesus said that if you want to come after me, first you have to deny yourself. Okay, you have to renounce everything in your life and take up your cross. Meaning what? Suffering can come. And Jesus doesn't stop right there. Not only just deny yourself and take up your cross, but follow me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Jesus, you said that if you want to follow me, you have to deny myself and I have to take up my cross and follow you again. What does it mean, follow him? 
follow him means, and this is very important, guys. Follow him means, follow him. No interpretation needed. It's very clear. Follow him is following him. And this is not like a, you follow somebody in your Instagram or your social media. Because when, when I, or I mean, I, I don't want to say you, but me, right? I, I, usually when I follow somebody, because I want to know what that person is doing, okay? Probably I can, I can learn from, from that person, perhaps, right? Or where that person is going, right? Or the things that the person has. So usually when I follow somebody in Instagram, because I want to know all of those things, it's not necessarily that I want to know that person. I just want to know about that person. Okay? Now, following Jesus is not like that. It's a different. Okay? Following him is just following him. Even when Jesus, I don't know whether Jesus, whether it's possible or not, even if Jesus is somehow being boring, you know, he didn't do any miracle, he didn't do any sign, are you still willing to follow him? I think the worship leader just mentioned today. Even when Jesus did not heal you, or Jesus did not give what you want, are you still willing to follow him? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your close friends? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means alienation from your family? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your job, losing your title, losing your reputation? Now, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Talking about self-denial, suffering, even until death, and obedience to follow him. Now, the things that I just mentioned about, oh, losing close friends, losing family, losing job, losing title, losing reputation, it doesn't mean that those things are going to come or those things are going to happen in your life. No, no, there's no guarantee in the Bible that you are going to experience that. But it may come. Again, the question is, are you willing still to follow Jesus? Again, Jesus never said that if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself or take up his cross or follow me. Jesus didn't say that if you will come after me, let him deny himself, then take up his cross, then follow me. He used the word and. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me in one sentence, in one package, and that's a true salvation. When we are talking about God's love, people always mention about unconditional love. Agree? It is unconditional? You guys agree that the love of God is unconditional? Yeah? What does it mean, unconditional? 
that God does not require us to, to meet certain standard before he pour out his laws, correct? But what next? Wouldn't that God wants us to be changed like him? So for me personally, this is what I learned, guys. For me, God's love is not unconditional. God's love is much, much better than unconditional. Why? Because first, he did not require me to be a good person to receive his love. But after that, he wants to change me. Now, husband and wife, I know when you made a vow, you said that my love is unconditional between husband and wife, correct? What does it mean? Just be honest. Do you guys think that you do not expect your spouse to be a better person? Right? We expect that. My wife expects me to change a lot <laughs> to be a better person. Is that unconditional though? Because unconditional meaning that, oh, okay, Whatever it is, I accept you. Whether you want to change or not, that's okay. But God's love, not unconditional. His love is much better than unconditional because he wants to change us. Not only that he just pour out his love, again, without our requirement, but he wants to change us. Okay? So, I want to read one more verse, John 6, 63 to 65. This is what Jesus said. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. So let's put that together. Jesus mentioned in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And John 6, 6, 6 5 say that this is what I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. This is what I call again the grace of God. If you rely on your strength, denying yourself, take up your cross, follow Jesus with your own strength, that's going to be hard. I don't know whether it's possible or not, but we need the grace of God. God who enabled us God who has started us, that he will continue to help us in our journey with Jesus. Let me wrap up and close with this one. Three quotes from John Stott. Our Christian life begins not with our decision to follow Christ, but with God's call us to do so. Remember, that's an invitation. When you hear this message, probably this is not something comforting you, right? But this is an invitation from God himself, and he wants us to respond it, okay? It's not because our decision to follow Christ, but because God's call 
us to do so. Second quote from Watsman Nee. Watsman Nee is a, a great evangelist in China. This is what he said. Outside of Christ, I'm only a sinner, but in Christ, I'm safe. Outside of Christ, I'm empty. In Christ, I'm full. Outside of Christ, I'm weak. In Christ, I am strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot. In Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I've been defeated. In Christ, I'm already victorious. How meaningful are the words in Christ? A.W. Tozer mentioned, the victorious Christian neither exalts nor downgrades himself. His interests have shifted from self to Christ. This is talking about denying ourselves. The true Christianity does not offer us what we are going to get when we follow Jesus. But true Christianity offers us who are we going to live with when we follow Jesus. And his name is Jesus. It's not about what, it's about who. Let me close with these uh, three verses. John 3.30, He must become greater, I must become less. That's our prayer, always. I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Corinthians 11, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So this is not only for the next gen, but all generations in this church. I want to pray that this church is not only just building the attendance, but this church is building the attendees, you. It's not about the quantity. It's not about the head counts. Yes, we celebrate when we see, oh, every Sunday, this sanctuary is full. But the most important thing is, we as a church, we need to build you, son and daughter of the Almighty God. Amen. So next week, next gen, this is, this is one message from me to you all. This is not a coincidence that God gave us an opportunity to host this next gen. And, and you, can, you can talk to Pastor Erwan, you can talk to me, you know what? I don't know, we have been serving this just for more than 20 years probably, right Pastor Erwan? That's, that's not our own strength. We can see a lot of things not good things, bad things, and we are not perfect. But in our imperfectness, God is still using us. And next year, when you are coming to the conference next week, pray this Matthew 16, 24. God wants to speak to you and he wants you to, re- to respond to him. I-, I don't know. Remember, this Matthew 16, 24 is a personal 
statement from Jesus to his disciples. It's not in the setting of the local church or family of God, but it's a personal. Your cross could be different from my cross. The way I follow Jesus could be different from the way you follow Jesus. But that's a personal relationship between you and God and me and God. And in the local church setting, as a family of God, what we can do is just to build up one another, encourage one another, and to love one another. Okay. So let's stand up and we're going to close.